welcome to the show today. My guest is a very talented singer-songwriter, Brandon Bauman. He was in a band called Diamond Lane. That uh, They had some success. They played the L.A. club scene, Rocklahoma, put out a few records. And uh, while that band is kind of on hold, he's put out some solo stuff, and he has more to come. And I like his music. You can check it out on Spotify for free to see if you agree. And I also I really like Brandon. Uh, he's a good dude. And I really loved his positive attitude. He thinks that's infectious. And I agree because I really enjoyed chatting with him and I learned a lot about him. So I think if you're a fan, I think you're going to love this episode. And if you're not a fan, well, then I hope I can make you one by the end of the episode. So check it out. Welcome, Brandon Bauman to the Chuck Shoot Podcast. How the hell are you? fantastic today chuck how are you i like the energy i don't usually get that you'd be surprised i have to like work my way up and build people up with you a lot of times i get like hey i'm fine doing all right and then i have to i have to like pump them up you're pumping me up now i like it hey life is beautiful you got to be pumped up you got to have a good attitude because that stuff's contagious absolutely no i yeah i i agree 100 percent. amazing so um i didn't i just found this out like right before the interview started. I was doing a little research. You grew up in Seattle, I my grew hometown, up in Seattle. for a little yes, bit. That's your hometown. Yeah, love that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I lived there until thirteen. Uh, the when I was thirteen, then we moved to Northern California, San Jose. Yeah. So those first thirteen years, which part of Seattle did you live in? What do you and what um, do? You- right, we were in the suburb, right outside, like Sandwich, like Kirkland, Bellevue, kind of on the east side. Uh, before Bellevue was Bellevue, yeah, uh, the way it is now. But uh, yeah, so just being in that proximity to all that action, you know, when I'm first discovering music and growing up is just surreal. Yeah, I heard you say that you listen to KSW. I was like, that was my rock station. That's my, that's right. pretty cool. So nine, that had, nine. that had a little bit of an influence on your music because you're hearing a lot of the Seattle bands. I think there's a game that if you ever if you ever back in Seattle play this game, it's like I think every third song is a Seattle band. If you listen to that radio station, we like play like, I don't, they don't, they cannot go three or four songs in a row without playing a Seattle band. I mean, I don't know how they could. There's just so many phenomenal acts that, you know, were born and bred right out of that space. Uh, absolutely amazing. And, you know, something that always resonated with me is during that time in the early nineties, it's not like it is today. So, you know, younger folks have no idea. It's not like they pick up their phone. Oh, let me read the music news about what's going on. It's like right. these bands were literally on the five o'clock news and literally on the cover of the Seattle Times. So you're kind of, uh, I don't know, you get a special presentation of, you know, that kind of magic. Yeah, I don't know if you, you might have been too young, um, but I, I remember like The Stranger and some of those like local, like kind of like underground newspapers, or, like they were like free, the kind of things, but they would have a lot of those uh, indie bands featured at the time. It was kind of cool. I love it. I love it. Something special about that. Yeah, it was neat. So you guys, anyways, you moved to uh, San Jose and then you started this band. You're only 16. That's when you start. I didn't realize that you were so young when you started Diamond Lane. Uh, No, that's still active, right? I mean, it's because you just just released something in 2020. Your solo thing's just like a separate project, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Look, Diamond Lane started it with my best friend, Jarrett Reese, when we were in high school uh, and just, you know, eye on the prize, you know, going for the highest of heights kind of situation. Uh, as long as both of us are alive, the band will always <laughs> exist. Okay. Right now it's not the main focal point, kind of shifting gears. Uh, and I've been focusing on the solo stuff for the past, you know, short few years. And okay. it's been extremely rewarding, you know, to kind of know that that element is always there. I mean, you know, half a dozen or more records, you know, lots of touring, a lot of history, uh, you know, it's pumping through my DNA. So it's not, 
something that just you know eviscerates if it doesn't get the attention. Right. So again, you're 16. You're so young. I mean, I remember when I was 16, I was just reading Metal Edge and like pretending to play guitar. And you're playing in this band that goes on to play all these LA clubs and Rocklahoma and you're on Sleaze Rocks and all this stuff. So was that your first band or how long had you been playing music? First and only band. Wow. First and only band. And then it's just been solo stuff and collaborations otherwise. Uh, I think it was a combination of us knowing what we wanted to achieve at a young age, just kind of music obsessed hellions, you know, who want to take over the world. Yeah, you must have a good chemistry with uh, with Jared, though, to be able to stick that long. And I mean, I'm assuming there had to been some bumps along the way, though. Oh, no question. I mean, look, like any friendship or relationship, there's going to be like this, you know, from time to time. But I think it's the the common ground, the common goals Mm -hmm. and the common passion that, you know, it glosses over all the BS because there's going to be that with anything. It's, you know, do you want it? Are you going to let a little speed bump? you know, knock you off the course, or are you going to persevere and try to take it to the limit? Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I'm just now discovering, cause I think I, I didn't even know you were in that other band. I just knew your solo stuff. And then when I, obviously I'm, you know, I'm Googling your name and stuff, I'm like, Oh, he's in this like other band and they've been around forever, been on, you know, sleaze rocks and stuff. And I'm listening and uh, some great songs, the enemy, it's a really good oh. song, cheating death. It's kind of like a fast paced rocker, but it's got that melodic chorus and the screeching guitar solos that I love. Um, is is that kind of what you guys were going for is, is kind of more of a, of an eighties rock kind of feel? Well, I think initially, sure. That was, you know, pumping through our veins, you know, we worshiped, you know, back in those days, you know, bands like Metallica and we loved all of, you know, all things, the eighties. I mean, it's funny, our first record that we put out cut to the chase, which is not available anywhere for proper reason, uh, was in 2004. And we had a song in there called Hollywood hero about, you know, moving to Hollywood and doing the thing. And then fast forward and, you know, it's actually, you know, what happened. So, uh, super magical, but uh, to circle back and be clear on your question, sure, I think you know that '80s factor of you know having great guitars and big hooks and sweet solos that was always you know on the forefront of our writing process. And of course, throughout the years, you know, we continue to evolve and find our own identity through that. But certainly, uh, in its inception those were quality components of consideration. Awesome, yeah. So, like I said, on Sleaze Rocks, you did a lot of the LA clubs. You did Rocklahoma. What other highlights do you have for, for that band? Rocklahoma was just so awesome. What a cool experience. Um, you know, highlights, staying with it and not deviating the course, you know, for what now, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Just on that pursuit, I think it's a testament to our passion and commitment, but also feeling the desire that drives within us. So having the opportunity to play all these different, you know, fantastic clubs and tour and meet all these wonderful people, super exciting along the process. Um, a great highlight for us was it, with the Terrorizer record, I think it was 2013 or 14, we were able to get a great licensing deal with Fox Sports, where they mm. were the first to debut our album, and they played it for an entire month on all of their sports broadcasts. So UFC, Major League Baseball playoffs, NBA, it was just awesome to be able to kind of see that as, you know, on the highlight reel and the little name shows up in the bottom of the screen and you know, super validating you know, yeah. the in the tank to keep going. That, you know, we must be doing something, you know, of quality substance. So did that bring you guys a lot of fans? Cause people, you said the name was on the bottom and also I don't know what year this was, but people can Shazam. I do that all the time. And then totally, find totally. Yeah. I think this was in the Shazam era. And okay. Certainly it, you know, brought us a great new swath of people got, you know, turned on to what we were doing. Um, 
you know, obviously there's, there's always room for more. Yeah. Is that pretty lucrative to have those, like those TV deals? Like that's the best. Cause you can't sell albums. I mean, even the biggest bands that I talk to, they're like, yeah, we make nothing off album sales anymore, even streaming or whatever. So it's, it's true. Uh, so really that's one of the final frontiers for a band to be able to monetize their creative vision. Because like you said, you know, nobody buys records and the streaming is built this entitlement to the music consumers that they can pay nine bucks a month and have access to all of music for recorded history. And it's just, it's a bit wonky, especially when, you know, you see businesses like Spotify, it's like, cool, we can pay 150 million for exclusive rights to this podcast, but eh, we're not really going to dish anything out to the artists, but fractions of a cent per stream. It's upside down and backwards man it is weird and it's like and i have spotify and i'm like i don't i don't know what like i wouldn't be opposed to paying more if i knew that it was actually going to the artist if, if the artists were getting paid a little bit more it does seem like a backwards kind of uh uh system i don't know what the i don't know what the uh, solution is and maybe some of it obviously is the tv movie but those things seem like they're kind of hard to come by like they don't come around all the time and if you get one you're like you're lucky but Again, it does. It's not, you can't get those every day or every year. No, certainly not. Let alone have the access. I mean, that kind of whole avenue. That's relationship based because mm-hmm. you know the higher you go, there's fewer people sitting in the seats who are calling the shots and putting things together. And <laughs> there's a lot more musicians, bands, and songs than there are of sync supervisors. Oh, I know. Well, that's it's interesting too. He just says and uh, doing podcasts, and it's like there's these gatekeepers sometimes, and it doesn't always necessarily mean that. Uh, you know, the best podcast gets the best guests. And so that's like really frustrating because you're like, wait a minute, like I have more experience than this guy. Why is this guy getting better guessing? But sometimes it's just like, for whatever reason, that person might've liked that other podcast better than yours or, or whatever. So it's frustrating at times, right? No question. And there's always going to be those little variables that don't compute. You know, you can work your ass off and make a great product, but without those little extra connections connecting the web, I could have a hard drive full of 2021, you know, stairway to heavens and never Sandman's, but yeah. without the network, nobody's going to hear it or care. Yeah. That's definitely a big piece of it. Or somebody having somebody else that believes in you that, that has a little bit more, uh, you know, power or whatever that can help you out. So with yeah. diamond lane, um, what is this? So you said you're, it's, that's kind of on hold. Is, is there future plans for another album or tour later, or is it just kind of more like a side project at the moment? Well, you know what? I would, using my best guess, I would say within the next couple of years, you're going to get new music. You're going to get you know, new albums, that kind of thing. It's one of those things that's never going to die. Uh, in 2017, we finished our last tour. And of course, you know, the toughest part about being in a band is keeping everybody, all five unique individuals, focused and headed in the same direction. And as soon as it starts to fracture in any sense, then it's becomes i don't know dragging a lot of you know dead weight so to speak meaning if everybody's not on the same page it's going to be even more of an uphill battle as if being in a band wasn't challenging enough Mm -hmm. so after we finished that tour there was definitely um a few uh, unhappy and kind of wanting to shift the gears members and i had some good foresight i could see the tension building after years and years of getting so close to the brass ring and just Unfortunately, the reality of being is in a band's ton of letdowns, bad opportunities gone awry. This management deal was totally screwed. These showcases didn't work out. 
So it takes a lot of resolve. You got to have Teflon skin to keep going, keep focusing, keep driving forward. So as soon as I saw this tension started to build, I just said, you know what? Boom, cryogenics. I'm going to freeze this thing in time before letting okay. the ship sink and spoil all the hard work because that's a tale as old as time. Every band, they work their ass off for years and years and years to make their mark. And then after a series of speed bumps, oh, we're, we're going to break up. We're done. It's over. It's not that simple. We're talking about decades of sweat equity here. I'm not just going to throw that in the trash can and light it on fire. So boom, freeze it in time. That will get revisited too when the mood and the attitude and the time is correct. Right. And I think, uh, you know, you doing the solo stuff could be good because that could bring you some new fans that would then hopefully come over with you when new Diamond Lane stuff comes out. Sure. It yeah. certainly can't hurt. And the solo stuff is super freeing because I never, ever, ever want it to be anything Diamond Lane Jr. So it gives me total yeah. creative license to do whatever I want, whatever I'm feeling and not have to kind of fit it into a box. Right. I was going to say that the, 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 or the solo stuff is very different than Diamond Lane. Like Diamond Lane, like I said, I think that's more like kind of straight ahead, aggressive rock, metal, whatever you want to call it. But the solo stuff is more kind of alternative, kind of poppy. I guess there's some other stuff that, that it's very eclectic too. Totally. And th that's what's special for me about writing songs and recording, capturing those moments of time. Cause I'm not going to feel the way I do today, next week, let alone last week. So when you're recording and writing, being able to just bottle that for all time and then just keep the train moving forward. That's what's so special about writing songs. For mm -hmm. me. So, so yeah. So with your solo stuff, like your solo uh, Instagram, I noticed like it, you have Brandon and it's like period. It's like, is Brandon an acronym or is that just something you did to stand out or what's the story no, with that? Just just Brandon B because geez, there's a million different usernames and, you know, iterations. So instead okay. of throwing some numbers on there to make it unique or, you know, whatever that just Brandon B. Okay. In my name forever. <laughs> there we go. Okay. And then the new, so the latest single is called none to spare. And like I said, I, I feel like this is kind of this track, especially is, is kind of like a poppy alternative kind of thing. It's got really cool artwork. Now, how do you as an independent artist, get that kind of artwork. Cause that looks really fancy. Like, do you have a friend do it for free? Do you trade like a song with an artist or do you pay somebody? How does that typically work? You pay somebody, you, you hire the right people. I think it's about keeping your eyes open and seeing what, you know, kind of piques your interest. That's mm. the power of the internet. I was able to connect with this artist who lives, you know, in a different part of the world and you kind of just earmark it. I remember coming across his stuff on some random page at the beginning of last year. And I said, hey, I'm not ready right now, but I would love to collaborate with oh. you on some artwork for some releases. And so we just stayed in touch, nurtured the relationship and are able to move that forward. Um, his name is uh, Attila, Luis Atilano. He's just absolutely amazing. On Instagram, I think it's tadpole underscore Attila. He's just phenomenal artist. And so it's awesome to be able for me, expose him to people who might not ever see his stuff, you know, at least in my sphere. So it's really cool to be able to connect those dots and is one of the positive things about the internet for sure. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I, I, I think it just depends on your style, what you like, but um, I like that artwork style. I like the, the music, believe it or not, because probably a lot of people think, oh, you know, that I'd be more of a Diamond Lane fan. I'm actually both though. I, I do like your soul stuff, like the song, uh, What Do You Want? It's catchy. I mean, it gets in your head. Like a lot of these songs I'm listening to and I'm like, this is good stuff. This is catchy stuff that songs that are well-written. And like I said, they get in your head. Is that, that was kind of how it was designed. Well, 
most definitely. I think there's a lot of value in being able to boil something down where it's very digestible because therefore you're going to remember it and it's going to give you those little earworms. And I, you know, I've always been a fan of great melodic material, catchiness. You know, that's always been on the forefront of, you know, my particular writing style and things that I like. So thank you for the compliment. I'm glad to hear that that resonates in that fashion. Yeah, I think it's just it's tough to to get it out there. So that's why I'm glad that I'm having you on the show. So people can hopefully check it out. Go on Spotify right now. I know you guys don't like Spotify, but we want to get your your growth out. And then they should go come and see you live. Are you going to be touring with this solo stuff? Totally. I would imagine next year there'll be some more live dates popping up. When I released my debut solo album last year, it was at the very end of January. I was able to get a handful of shows off and then, you know, pandemic world came crashing down. So I had to scrap a whole summer tour. Actually, Dusty Bo and I, you had on the show. Yeah, I love Dusty. Yeah, me too. How do you guys know each other, by the way? I was going to ask you that. Long time friend. Absolutely. Yeah, we lived together for a number of years. Did you meet in L.A.? We did. We met in Los Angeles in uh, 2009. We both moved there. Oh, okay. Our circles and paths intervened, and here we are today. Uh, and so we had a whole summer tour planned last year. We were going to do all the southern states, just a you know two man kind of a acoustic duo situation. We perfect. had like twenty five dates, and we had to scrap it all. So I would imagine those will get revisited. Yeah, come to Phoenix. I'll come see you. Would love to. That'd be amazing. So yeah, you're a music fan, obviously, and uh, you know you're you love Led Zeppelin, Ted Nugent, Van Halen, all the '70s stuff, the '80s GNR. The 90s, Alice in Chains, Royal Blood, kind of a newer band. What what other new bands are you a fan of or some, some of the newer stuff or maybe stuff people haven't heard of? Man, there's an artist I've really been digging, uh, Paul Cawthon. He's from uh, Tyler, Texas. Okay. He's doing some like fresh, I don't even want to say Johnny Cash, but he's got this like big billowing voice and a lot of soul to it. Some real cool songs. His album Room 41 has got some real swaggery tunes on there. So I highly recommend. Okay. That. I definitely want to check that out then. I love hearing about new bands and checking out new music. That's amazing. Yeah, Paul, Paul Cawthon is great. Uh, I've been enjoying a record that came out last year from a band, Neon Coven. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, Ace on the show. Oh, love Ace. What a gem. I've had yeah. the pleasure to jam with him a ton of times at Soundcheck Live in Hollywood. Uh, and just some real awesome players in that band. Uh, Jacob Button, he's someone I've you know looked up to. And I've tried to get him on. I haven't heard back from him. But yeah, I'd love to have him on the show. That's like kind of an all-star band. And totally. it's kind of like a... God, what are the, how would you even describe it? It's, it's kind of like eight. It was like, some of the songs are like 80 synth pop meets like heavy metal. It's crazy. It's really a unique thing. I like it. It's a great, very strong writing. Uh, so I was a big fan of that record, you know, since, you know, they started putting out singles and then, you know, they dropped the whole thing. So hopefully there's more stuff from them coming. Uh, let's see who else. Um, last Friday, the whole album just came out. Uh, Mammoth WVH. Oh, Wolf. yeah. Uh, honestly, I really like it. I think he's doing some very fresh mainstream rock music. Mm-hmm. It obviously has nothing to do or sounds like Van Halen. He's doing his yeah. own thing. Oh, totally. Awesome. Yeah. I, he's going to open for guns and roses. So I'll see him live. So that should be interesting. Fantastic. Yeah. I, and hope, I hope he can, uh, find the right guys to back it up live because he did all the record himself, every instrument. Oh, he did. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I'll have to listen to more of that. Yeah. That'll be fun. But, uh, Another band that uh, that we both love, the Foo Fighters. You, now you got to tell me this David Grohl story, or I always call him David. I don't know why. Dave Grohl story. You met him. We I had the great privilege of meeting him. I've, I've actually met him uh, 
one or two times throughout my life, but I believe the story you're referring to is at the Wiltern. Uh, Dusty and I were going to the Guns N' Roses concert, you know, which first off in 2012 to see Guns N' Roses at a small theater like that, just a couple thousand people. Awesome. Ecstatic. Yeah. I saw him in uh, Vegas at the joint when oh. it was, uh, there was a small, cause it wasn't the full, you know, the reunion band. It was just Axel, but I mean, he had Bumblefoot, DJ Ashba. I can't remember the other guitars. I mean, he had an all-star Fortis. band, huh? Oh, Richard Fortis. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's. I, I saw those jo- joint shows as well. I saw two different iterations. He brought Duff out for one of the shows, or at least a couple of songs. It's just look, people are gonna, you know, talk this all the shit that they want, but Axel has stood the test of time. That guy absolutely rules. And yeah, his voice does not sound today like it did in 1987. Well, no shit. It's, yeah. It's but shit. Axel at 80 or 70 or 80% or even 50 or 60% of what he was there is still heads and tails above every, any other singer. I think. No, no question yeah. about it. The, the guy's got the, the special sauce. Yeah. So it's anyway, it. so you're going to see Guns N' Roses. Boom. Going to see Guns N' Roses. We walk into the Wiltern. We're saying, you know what? We're going to hit the head before we head on in. Go down washing up the hands and i see dusty go dude and he yells at me and he goes that was dave Grohl who just walked out the door so it's wet hands and all shake it we bolt out the door and dave's like running because he doesn't want to get accosted he's trying to go to his vip area oh, and you know, just chill out i'm surprised so, he doesn't get a vip bathroom or like he's not backstage or something that's really weird that he's just in the regular bathroom the, the guy's just one of the people. And I was very pleased to kind of discover this myself because you read all these interviews and you hear these stories that this guy's just so cool and down to earth. And the fact that that's actually the case was awesome. So we're chasing him through the venue, literally up the Wiltern. There's this huge flight of stairs from where the bathrooms are. And we're dead sprinting, dodging in and out through the crowd, not losing sight of where he is. And we see him slip into this, you know, behind this velvet rope. And so, we're just bold. So we stay on our hot pace and kind of flash our tickets and blow right by the security guard to get into this area. So what, you had a ticket to the VIP though, or no, we had a ticket, just, you know, a general admission. So it was close. Okay. The security guard wasn't paying that much attention oh. apparently. And so we get into, you know, the inner sanctum and, you know, kind of catch our breath and compose ourselves. And we see him standing over by the bar and saying, ah, I don't know. What do we do? Do we, you know, just kind of give him the nod and play it cool. And Dusty goes, fuck that. We're going to say what's up. So we, we beeline over to him and just, you know, he can see it. He knows what it is. And we get to have a you know quick conversation with him, you know, back and forth. What a great rapport. And I remember looking at him and telling him this story. And this is part two that uh, I didn't share online. When I was growing up in Seattle, my best buddy, his uncle was a drummer in a uh, prominent Seattle band, Sunny Day Real Estate. Yeah, Sunny Day. I know so, them. Yeah. So William and Nate from that band went on to be in the first incarnation of the Foo Fighters. And so having the privilege and the access of my best buddy being, you know, nephews to William, they used to rehearse at his grandparents' garage on the, you know, compound property where all the family members live. So we used to get to sit on the floor and watch Foo Fighters rehearse in the garage in 1995, just before they were even anything. And so it's, it's kind of like a mind-blowing moment. Wow. I just remember it being so hot and sweaty. Dave's in his white T-shirt that he would always wear back then and just yelling into the microphone. And I'm just thinking, like, this is insane. Like, I got to get in on this. 
And so fast forward, we're back at the Wilter and I get to regale Dave with this story. And the whole time he's kind of cheesing it up, like very intently tuned into what I'm saying. And then as soon as I finish, you know, I said, and so basically, Dave, you're one of the main reasons why I'm, you know, kind of doing what I'm doing today. You helped light that fire. And he looks me dead in the eyes, goes, well, sorry for fucking up your whole life. <laughs> and, his back and started cackling. Wow. What a oh. great memory. And so he, he bought us all a shot of Jaeger and we took a photo and called it good. That's amazing. So, but he was trying to run away from you, but then once you caught him, he's like, well, shit, I can't be an asshole. So then he's just cool and down to earth. Well, so I don't necessarily think he was trying to run away from us. He uh-huh. just knew, hey, I'm exposed. I'm out in the wild. Let me get back to <laughs> yeah. my you know, security, so to speak. That's in- Yeah, it's just interesting that they would. he wouldn't have some sort of secret celebrity bathroom or something. That's... Gotta love it. That's crazy. So you, but you are, are you kind of friends or you know, some other pretty big name musicians, uh, Scotty Hill from Skid Row. How do you know him? Scotty's a great guy. We got teamed up to play together on a couple of songs at, um, Malcolm Young tribute at Soundcheck live in Hollywood. Okay. uh, That every week, uh, Steve Ferlazzo and the house band would curate and just kind of put different players with different people for different songs. So it was an awesome opportunity to get to, you know, jam with those guys. And we just struck up a friendship and stayed in touch and, you know, jammed and worked on some songs. And it was just really cool, down to earth, positive guy. I really dig Scotty. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'd love to have him on the show. I had Rachel on. That was a lot of fun because Skid Row was like, that was probably my number one favorite band in high school. I, I loved them. Legendary, legendary. That Slave to the Grind record. I was yeah. just cranking that the other day. Still holds up, baby. Yeah, so good. And then on those those videos, I don't know if you ever watched their home videos, but they are so funny. They're such a funny band. Yeah, I always just looked at that band and go, I want to hang out with these guys. This looks like so much fun. You can tell. And when you know when you see a band and you make that you know kind of connection that these guys are having fun and enjoying what they're doing, that just makes it even more infectious to the listener because it kind of you know brings them down to earth as real people, as opposed to you know like I guess like Axel, for instance. I'm sure he's a super nice guy and I'm sure he's hilarious and fun, but that's not the perception. He's kind of like, you know, untouchable. Don't really know anything about the guy, you know, kind of situation. Yeah. That's so, like my number one to get on the show at some, someday. I don't know. Maybe it'll never happen, but God, that'd be amazing. I bet that'd be an amazing interview. Just keep throwing the fishing line out there. You never know when you're going to get a bite. Totally. I, I just hope one day that Axel writes a book. I, and, cause there haven't really been many done. You know, I'm, got a bookshelf back there full of you know some of my favorite autobiographies but you know nothing out of axel's mouth not yet no did you see the uh, documentary they had on um was it access tv or true tv or one of those like cable channels they did kind of a story it was like unauthorized excuse me but um yeah dude it was it was crazy because they'd interviewed all these people that knew his whole childhood and his background and it was really fascinating yeah i mean it's like it explains a lot too because you know, I remember in the eighties and nineties, he'd have these like blowouts and stuff, but it's like, if you, if you figure out his background, it, it kind of makes sense. Cause he grew up in a very chaotic household. So totally. Well, yeah. I mean, all that stuff affects us in different ways, especially later on in our lives. So uh, interesting. Yeah. I also think that he used that though and channeled it into making some of the most amazing music ever. Well, I think that's what you got to do. I- any kind of adversity you have in your life. I truly believe that with the right mindset and perspective and willingness, you can channel that and use it as fuel. Is that what you do with, is that how you find inspiration for creating music? Is, is it a lot of 
shit that happens to you or is it sometimes good stuff or I, I think it's all of the above. I think you want to try to extract from all of the different emotions and things that you go through with the experiences. I mean, look, being a, an artist, especially an independent one, especially in this day and age, can be super frustrating and it can you know really challenge your perspective and your view of yourself and your output and what you're doing. So it's important to kind of save firm in your roots and know what you're trying to do and know your self-worth and not get caught up in all that other shit. So it's important to channel those emotions and try to use them positively. No question. Yeah. Well, I mean, I heard you say that there's been a lot of shit that's happened and I'm sure this is not unusual. This is all common. So like you've been ripped off by promoters, uh, by clubs, not holding up their end of the bargain, shady managers, taking money, deceptive contracts, uh, internal band conflicts with band members quitting two days before tours, the brakes on the bus quit, uh, also canceled dates, canceled to a replacement members, botched deals, all this stuff. And you said your, your reaction was to everything is either fun or funny. So like, you just have to be able to laugh at all that shit, right? That's right. Uh, a mentor early on, early on in the early mid two thousands, when we first started really getting going, Stefo Mitikitis, his great friend, great mentor. He used to manage his band 11 uh, in the nineties and they would tour with Soundgarden and uh, Guns N' Roses and such. And so he had a lot of valuable insight and perspective. And one of the most important takeaways that still resonates to this day, he said, look, boys, everything that you're going to go through, it's not always going to be great. So you got to know that it's either fun or funny. All the bullshit, you need to be able to laugh at it and you really need to be able to enjoy the simple pleasures. It's about short, small term, realistic, achievable goals. That's what you want to set for yourself. So you get that momentum and that reward. And, oh, we achieved this little thing. Next, next, next. Yes, you want your eye on the prize. You want to top of the charts and be a commercially viable you know, band and do all those wonderful things that come with it. But it's those small victories along the way that keep the momentum going. Yeah, for sure. And then I think besides mentors, didn't you have a vocal coach, Mark Baxter? What, what does he bring to the table? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely love Mark. Been working with him, shoot, since uh, probably 2011 or 12 now. Uh, for me, you got to be a student of the game. You know, everybody's blessed with an inherent, either an inherent set of skills or a work ethic willing to do what it takes to polish those skills or continue to grow. I will always be a student of the game. And that's where Mark comes into play because he challenges me to think differently about the art of singing. And it's all mechanics. It's, you can't change the strings, you know, on your guitar, so to speak, your body is your instrument. So you need to know how to take care of it, how to nurture it, how to stretch it, grow it and challenge it. So you can keep getting better and better and better. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So with that, with a guy like that, does he, do you have to pay him or does he, is he doing that? Of course. The, of course. God. He's providing a service, a valuable service. That's a lot. You got a lot of expenses then with some of this stuff and huh? it adds up, right? No question about it. Every dollar I've ever made with this thing gets poured right back into the machine so it can keep growing and be nurtured in the ways that it needs to. You're like me then. Yeah. Cause I just, I'm like trying to grow my podcast and invest and, and it's kind of like Zuckerberg though. Cause Zuckerberg, I don't think he made any money off Facebook the first, I don't know what, like seven or 10 years or something. So hopefully it doesn't take that long, but. Well, and moreoverly, I think it's a, it's another way of showing that you're serious about what you do and you believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, if the bet is on myself, I'm going to double down every single time. That's awesome. Cause I, Cause I know what I'm capable of and I know what I can and will achieve. It's only a matter of time. 
That's amazing. I like I like that attitude. So like we said, Scotty Hills, your buddy. Uh, I think your friends you or you know Sam Bam Colton from Faster Pussycat, uh, Doc Coyle from Bad Wolves. Would you ever consider collaborating with any of these guys? Like either having them guest on your solo stuff or you maybe starting a side project? Because it seems like that's a good way to bring attention to a new project is with those bigger names. But also, I think you'd have a really good quality. And also, that would just be really fun to jam with any of those guys. Oh, no question. It's a totally valid point you bring up. And can't rule anything out at this stage of the game. I'm all for collaboration. I'm all for writing and working with like-minded, passionate individuals. Look, there's going to be no shortage of songs. And I know that the best ones for me have yet to be written. So it just keeps you chasing and keeps you hungry. Yeah. Think about that though. Collaborating with a few of these guys, because then you can throw those names out when you're promoting it and saying, here's my new single with Doc Coyle from Bad Wolves. Maybe that brings in some of his fans and then they go, oh, I love Doc Coyle. I want to do, I want to hear everything he does. And then they, and then they're like, oh, I really like this. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you got to kind of do those tricks nowadays to, to get, like, I know with my podcast, if I don't get some, some names on here, uh, you know, nobody wants to listen to just me talking, unfortunately. You know, it's like, it's a lot harder anyways. I mean, right sure. now, eventually I would, I'd like to get to that point, but. Understood. Understood. Well, and that's the challenge too, right? You need to do things for the right reasons. You need to do things that are going to get people's attention, but at the same time, you don't necessarily, or speaking from myself, I wouldn't want to seek out a collaboration just so I could throw and attach their name on it. Things would have to be done for the right reasons. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like that would just be part of the the bonus to that. But also I just, I think it'd be fun. Like I'd love to hear what you and Scotty Hill could come up with, or you and Sam, man. I mean, I love all these guys. So it'd be, I always like think of like all these different collaborations, even for, for, you know, the bigger names collaborating with each other. It's just like, it's just fun to like see these super groups and stuff like, uh, uh, devil city angels. You remember that band a few years ago? I do. I do. They had, uh, they had one, one or two records, right? It was kind of short lived. Yeah. It was kind of short lived, but it's like, it's, it's fun to, sometimes it's like when you get too many people like that, it's, it's hard to get everybody's schedules and, and all that stuff. But yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that, uh, with solo, right. Where people guessed, it seems like kind of like the new trend that's, that's happening. And uh, I think it works because it gets people's attention and then they, they check it out too. But uh, hopefully we can, we can get you some new fans from this podcast. Cause like I said, people need to check out the stuff you've got. It's, it's great stuff. I'm like, I'm looking, I'm looking at followers on Spotify. I'm like, this should be way more. What the hell's going on? And same with <laughs> dusty. I look at dusty stuff and I'm like, dude, dusty has such good songs. Why aren't more people like hearing this? Well, and that's the challenge. Look, we're forced today in 2021 to be master marketers. And it's not necessarily how good your songs are, how well you're performing them. It's how well can you effectively reach people? And then that in of itself is a fine line because are you turning people on to something great or are you just shoving something down somebody's throat with advertising, beating them over the head until they finally succumb and click and listen like, oh, this is okay. So it's really challenging to find the right avenue to earn new fans. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. Yeah, because I, I noticed that too with advertising. I've done some paid advertising on Facebook and I'm like, I don't think this really works. Like you have to kind of find the niche of people like with Diamond Lane, like I would I would try to share that music or get on a tour with similar bands. And then I think people that like that kind of music will like Diamond Lane, you know what I mean? But if you just like, tried to advertise it. I mean, I think it'd be tough to do that. 
Uh, but like, you know, if you did a tour with Dusty, I think that would be that 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 would bring you a lot of new fans. I would think I would I'd come see you. Oh, no question. And well, the best part about it, whether there's, you know, 10 people or a thousand people at every show, we're going to be having a blast. <laughs> that, that's yeah. Yeah. That was, so when you originally you play, you said it was going to be you and Dusty just solo, like acoustic, acoustic stuff. Yeah, you got it. We do a couple of different sets and come together for a super set at the end, mm. you know, just kind of fill a couple hours of time and be able to visit a you know bunch of different spots. Um, because while we were still thinking that this was going to happen, it was before all the restrictions got super crazy. Sure. So we sure. Were scaling down the venues and, you know, different atmospheres. Oh, this was going to be more outdoor based, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it all just kind of fell apart like everything else did last year. So. Okay. So hopefully we'll look for that, um, to be rescheduled. And yeah, then 22, I would say there'll be a lot more opportunity for that because a lot of the stuff that's happening now is just make updates from last year. Mm. So it's really hard to get a word in edgewise. Even if I saw some tours that I thought I'd be viable for, I'm way bottom on the list of contacting because these decisions were made last year. Mm. Yeah. Well, tell me also, um, besides music, you do voice acting. I thought that was kind of cool. You, you were in like a video game and I love it. I love voice acting. This is something that kind of came, I don't know, as a byproduct of being in a band. Uh, and sure. our, a, a graphic artist who did our World Without Heroes album cover contacted me saying, hey, you know, I'm actually doing a commercial for Brisk. And, you know, we need someone, you know, to help with the theme song and, you know, kind of be in the promo. And so... I was able to get dialed in with that. And that was my first, you know, voice acting situation that came by proxy. And it kind of like set off a light in my head. It's checking the boxes. I'm still doing what I love, which is using my voice and being creative. And it's not squandering the lifetime of, you know, mechanics and studying that I've done to get to the position that I am in. So I just kind of leaned in and started taking some private coaching and learning more about the voice acting realm and taking it a lot more seriously. And then this past year, I was able to land a video game. Uh, it's called Lieber. It'll be out, I think, later this year or early next year from Olkin Games. This is awesome. Being uh, You're the main character, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm like the antagonist. It's like gruff cowboy time traveling guy. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something there, Chuck. It's just it's awesome to be able to you know, do that and then kind of see the game come to life. It's been totally mind blowing. So I can't wait to have a copy of that in my hands. That's and that's a good way to pay the bills too, right? Because I mean, that's not some, that's something that pays a flat rate. You don't have to worry about like it's not like streaming with Spotify or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Because you're doing the work, and then you know, in voice acting, you kind of got to do the work, do the audition, and then just keep moving on. Mm-hmm. You can't. Oh, did I get the role? Or when's this coming out? Right. You're driving yourself crazy because it operates on a totally own different timeline. But you know, again, it's just one of those things. You do a great performance, and it's cemented in time, and you know, you have that nice little, you know, kind of star to keep you motivated to get to the next one. It's been a nice experience to add that in, in combination, uh, you know, with all the music. Stuff. Right. And that's got to help you with it when you, you know, use your voice and, and learn about your voice and practice things with your voice and all that stuff too. Right. Yep. No question about it. It's all maintenance and ch- just challenging yourself. That's really cool. So what else uh, is on the future? Anything else in the works? When does it, is the full album solo album come out at some point or? Uh, yeah. So um, I'm going to have some more singles coming out starting next month and then kind of do the every, I think more August, September, there'll be two or three more singles before the, I think an album, maybe an extended EP uh, comes October 
right okay. around there of this year. So just constantly writing, prepping and planning, trying to, you know, just keep raising the bar for myself and awesome. put quality music out into the universe. That's okay. what I want to do. I want and to then I forget, I, I can't remember, was there merch on your website that people can, can get? Because that, that artwork is really cool. Like, I don't know okay. if that's... Yeah, no, I have some stickers, magnets, uh, you know, some cool trading cards. Oh, here we go. Store. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I didn't. Oh yeah. Cause that, that artwork is just so, so cool, man. I love, I love the way the guy that put the skull and people need to definitely check that out. It's a cool yeah, song he, too. He did obviously. a fantastic job and, uh, he's doing the artwork for all the upcoming singles and the album. So oh. uh, it's all just gonna, you know, kind of tie in with this chapter and then we'll figure out whatever the hell's next. Awesome, man. I love it. Well, is there a charity that you like to support or that's uh, near and dear to your heart that you want to give a quick shout out here at the end? Alzheimer's association. Okay, definitely. Absolutely. I'll put that in the notes. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're doing good, important work, trying to get some more information to get a leg up on this godforsaken disease. Yeah. That's a tough one, man. It's just, it's so hard to see that with people you love and uh, see them. My, my grandpa father had dementia, which is yep. very similar. And it's just, yep. it's just hard to, it's like, he wasn't himself. It's, it's, it's almost like they, they die before they die in a way. Like, cause it's like yep. the person that I knew as my grandfather that was quick and quick witted and sharp and, and had great stories. I mean, he just wasn't this, it's really sad. So yeah, I, ugh, I'd love for them to find a cure for that. That'd be amazing. Yeah. They, they literally get robbed of their shine. Um, it's been destroying my mother every day for damn near 10 years now. It's just heartbreaking, literally just robbing her of, you know, everything. It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. That's awful. 10 years. See, and that's oh, it's such a, long time to go through such pain it's highway robbery man yeah. and you you almost mourn them while they're still alive which is like the extra fucked up part about it because yeah. there's nothing you can do totally helpless and powerless and when all the doctors saying there's <sighs> nothing we can do it's like what then yeah. that's where the money needs to be dumped in let's get some science and r&d going so we can figure out what the hell is going on here Cause I know it's just not me who's being affected by this. It's millions of people. And oh yeah. It's only going to continue to get worse. Yeah. And if, if they can't find a cure, if they could at least find the cause, that would be nice. Cause it's like, I don't think they know what causes it. And that's like really kind of weird. Cause it could be something that is a very simple fix that, Oh, you know, we shouldn't drink out of uh, aluminum cans. I, I know there was some sort of link to maybe aluminum. So I don't know if that was a thing or not, but. Interesting. Well, I'm, with any with any luck, they can get some answers going. Yeah. Well, I uh, look forward to new music from you, and uh, hopefully, at some point, a, a show, whether it's with Dusty or uh, you opening or Diamond Lane or whatever, I'd love to see you live. I've never seen you live in person, so that'd be cool to see. Well, I can count on it. it's only a matter of time. Who knows which incarnation you're going to get? But it'll be nice to be able to rock you proper and cheers you in the flesh. Okay. Well, let me know if you ever come down to Phoenix, or I'll. I'll do a sh- uh, give you guys a shout out if I'm or you're in LA, right? Still, or uh, yeah, I've been spending some time uh, in Northern California, just kind of bouncing around. Okay, just, you know, since everything was you know shut down, there was no real like shackles to be where I need to be. As long as I can record, I can be anywhere. Okay, well, let's just stay in touch and uh, we follow each other on social media. So, totally, Chuck. I appreciate you taking the time to have me on. This I fun. appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Right on, brother. All you right. Be well, Have a good day. You too. See you, Brandon. Brandon Bauman, check out his solo stuff. Check out Diamond Lane. If you like his music, make sure to support him by either buying some merch on his website or coming to see him perform on a a tour or show live. Uh, As always, 
I'll remind you to also support my guests by following them on your favorite social media platform or, or follow their Spotify or YouTube or all of the above. And of course, you can follow me and all that stuff as well. And if you want to go above and beyond, you can write me a review on iTunes because that helps me with the search results so that people can find the show and it can continue to grow. So thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember to shoot for the moon.